It is a Ben Fred Friday. Ben Fredrickson of the Post-Dispatch. Martin Kilquin with you on the Scoops Network. And, Ben, we're coming a little post-deadline. We were going to tape on Thursday, full reveal. Of course, the Tarasenko news happens. And I was thinking about your world because you're sitting there at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock sometimes at home, and it's like something big happens. And they're like, all right, I need a full column by 10, 10, 30. Give me an idea what that pressure is. And I know I do TV and there's <laughs> deadlines, but – when your whole world turns upside down and there's that deadline staring right at you. Well, Martin, as you know, sometimes the best thing that can happen is news because you always react to news. And especially when there are days for me, when the Cardinals are at spring training and I'm not there, we have you know a small army of post-dispatch reporters and photographers down there at all times. So I tend not to write a lot of baseball when colleagues of mine are down there. Uh, I try to find some of the other stuff. So I'll be honest, you're kind of sitting around going, okay, what am I going to write about today? And then this happens, and you go, oh, okay, it's kind of like an apple falling off a tree. So for the coverage sake, it, it actually makes things easier. Um, but uh, but it is a, it's, a, it's a strange trade for the Blues, right? Um, because you, you have you know, a need to kind of mark this moment in time. I mean, Vladimir Tarasenko is, a, is, is an all-time – Blues great. I mean, a member of that championship core, a fan favorite for so many. I mean, he represented the Blues on the cover of a video game. And yet at the same time, you knew this was coming. You didn't exactly know how and when. It's early before the deadline. But you kind of just felt it was inevitable as the Blues kind of slumped into the All-Star break that this was going to happen. So it was kind of it was strange because it was predictable, but it was also still in some ways, bittersweet because of all the things that, that he represented to the Blues and, and certainly to their fans. I feel like there were two takes on Tarasenko. There was sort of the media and within the room or within the organization, like, yeah, he can be a little bit diva-ish. He's not our favorite guy to deal with. And, and not that every media member would say that, but there was sort of this perception of Tarasenko. And then I think there's the fan base that says, one of the best players we've ever had and he was fifth all time in goals scored fifth all time in points and that's having he's not in the top 10 in games played so that tells you he was wildly productive do you see that where like the fan base like vladdy vladdy and they chant his name and they love him but yet there's this sort of not even a whisper campaign but there's some who are just like yeah he wasn't a whole lot of fun to be around and i'm glad he's gone i mean do you see those two worlds well, I, I think there were there could be two worlds inside the Blues dressing room, even. <laughs> and so I think that I think he was a, he's a complicated guy um, and in, incredibly talented. I mean, no one can deny or dispute that his hands are amazing. His shot is as, as good as you can find, and it's held up well. And as long as he's healthy, he's going to be a factor for the Rangers. And there was a reason they gave up a first round pick to get him. Um, but he could be brooding. He could be mercurial. Um, I think, I mean, you've been you've been covering St. Louis sports longer than I have, Martin, but I can't recall any guys who kind of openly requested a trade from a St. Louis sports team and remained beloved when uh, when it got out and and the fans almost loved him more, um, which is surreal. I've never encountered really anything like that, but he did a good job of making it very clear that he did want out. He had some issues with a lot of things, I guess, between him and Doug Armstrong, but also, you know, even beef with the team doctors about how his shoulder surgery was handled. And he did a good job of kind of making sure those comments never directly came from him. They would go through his agent and he'd kind of have some distance from him. But of course, they were things that Tarasenko knew was happening. 
but he he never once disrespected the fans or never never messed with his relationship with the fans. And I think he was very good to the fans. He would sign autographs. He would do things in the community with fans. Of course, we remember you know specific relationships that he had with with fans, and I think that really resonated with him. And that was there was a real two way appreciation there. So I, I think that was part of it. And then also he was stinking good. So it put the blues in a little bit of a tough spot. The one knock on Vladdy was that when he wasn't playing well, he didn't do a lot of the things that you'd really like someone to do when they're not scoring. He was kind of a one way guy. And if you're doing that at the highest level, you put up with it and it's fine. And, you know, he showed when he got healthy that he can still be that X factor scorer. So I think he could be a little prickly at times, but uh, you can't dispute his greatness. It's, It's right there in the numbers. So I am glad just for his legacy that it didn't end when he requested the trade in the summer of 21, because that would have been a, it would have been bad for the blues because they would have gotten nothing for him in the trade. I mean, remember Seattle passed over him in the expansion draft, but if they would have traded him, then it would have really been kind of a sour thing. I think, you know, his ability to play well after he healed up and the blues get a decent return from him. I think he will be remembered fondly, by the Blues and by their fans, and and we'll see if he winds up back here one day to to, to get a big you know uh, retirement send off. We'll see, but he'll certainly be welcomed back as an opponent, and uh, he'll be remembered here as he should be as a key member of that championship core that did something the Blues had never done before. Yeah, it's interesting. I went back and looked at his stats during that 2019 Cup run. We all remember Jaden Schwartz went nuts against the Jets. Maroon had the huge goal against the Stars, but I looked and Tarasenko in those 16 games. Uh, is it was it 16 or whatever they ended up playing? But he had 11 goals, and yeah. he had a, a stretch where he scored in four straight. The last two against San Jose, which is big. Yep. The first two against Boston, so 11 goals in that Stanley Cup run. He looked in scoring wise, he may have been their most consistent scorer. So on that big stage for sure, you help. And they don't win a cup without him here. No way. And, and, that's, and you remember we, we were out in San Jose, and it, Baruby kind of challenged Vladdy. He, he kind of nudged him like he needs to do more. And, and we were all kind of like, okay, how's he going to respond? Like it was so rare to hear anyone from the blues kind of say, we need more from Tarasenko because he just didn't know how he was going to take it. And he, and he accepted it and he went out and played better after that. And it was kind of like, whoa, in, in that sequence, him, he, he helped them get, I mean, they were in trouble <laughs> against the sharks. This, the, the hand pass, it was, a, you thought, well, okay, they're toast. And he helped get them out of that by going to San Jose and, and playing up in his game. It's a Ben Fred Friday. I should say it's brought to you here on the Scoops Network by our friends at Lou Fuse Automotive and the Ascension Charity Classic. Vlad's exit, and you're right, I think had it been the summer 21, when it was very public, he wanted out. It would have been a, a more ugly exit. But these are rarely smooth, right? I always think about this. So Kurt Warner leaving the Rams, you know, split the town apart because some people just – Hated the idea that Mark Bolger could have that job. Ozzie Smith and Larusa feuded, although Ozzie did get to end it in St. Louis. Brett Hull leaves over you know the no trade clause, whatever the final dispute was. It, it's pretty tough though. The best exit was probably Larusa winning the World Series, and had he never come back to baseball, it would have been the perfect ending. Maybe in sports, you win a World Championship, you've been around forever, you walk out on your own terms. I don't think him coming back to the Sox affects his St. Louis legacy at all. But I guess in, in sports, we always want these, you know, Frank Cusimano-esque stories where they're waving to the crowd and holding up their family and getting a parade. But I guess for the most part, they're never perfect. 
unless you're Albert Pujols, I guess. Yeah, that, you know what? He got to redo. You're right. So he, you're right. No, he had both. He had he yeah. had the ugly exit where it was. Well, is that really how your St. Louis legacy is going to be remembered? And then he got it. He got the redo. That may be the rarest of all. Yeah, he got kind of like the uh, the Hollywood. Uh, you know, oh, they broke up. No, wait, they're back together. Live happily ever after. Ending, and then got to of course have the remarkable individual achievement. But you're totally right that it's so very rarely a happy ending in the moment. And what replaces that is the the feeling and the remem- the memories from the, the body of work. You know, we I had people get mad at me this past baseball season when I said, look, I know it's weird with Yachty and it's not great that he's missing a game to go watch his basketball team in Puerto Rico. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It looks bad. 20 years from now, when we're sitting around talking about what Yadier Molina meant to the St. Louis Cardinals, like that's going to be the, a joke. Like that's going to be a, like a part that people laugh about. And it didn't, it wasn't funny in the moment, but like you forget that Bob Gibson like had a terrible ending and, and, and was mad and frustrated and like got in the RV. They gave him as a retirement gift and like just took off because he wasn't playing well. I mean, we don't remember those things. They're footnotes. They're not the, the story and and I do think that if Tarasenko had demanded his way out and they would have had to trade him for nothing and just taken a huge loss on the deal it would have maybe it would have maybe defined his legacy not not defined it but it would have altered it a little bit I don't think this does I think you know in a league with a hard salary cap where you really have to decide like are you in or are you out then these things are are pretty common you just don't get a you don't get much of a chance to get paid the way you want to get paid if you have great success and stay in one place forever, um, especially with a team like the Blues that are, you know, trying to generate, you know, sustained competitiveness. And they're in a rare spot now, Martin, where they kind of have to they have to change things up because they, they tried to get one more year out of this group. It didn't work. Doug Armstrong, very candid in his comments about the Tarasenko trade, says, hey, we thought we could kind of uh, – duck and weave here and extend this thing a little bit while also kind of trying to move some chips forward and it didn't it didn't work so now we have to be you know very intentional about what this is and it's going to be a rebuild and a reboot so i'd factor that into your thinking if you're worried about you know the blues maybe moving ryan o'reilly i hate to see that i I hope they don't but based off what we've seen it sure sounds like they are going to try to get younger and they're going to try to use a rare opportunity to be a true seller to try to expedite their their path back to being a competitive team, and it's probably what they should do. I feel like O'Reilly would take the Kachuk route that would say, trade me, go ahead, get what you can, and then this summer let's talk. Not that it's guaranteed he'll come back or that they necessarily want him back, but at least that door is open. Like Vladdy, we know he's not coming back. But I feel like O'Reilly might say, O'Reilly says, you got to move me, go ahead. But you know what? Call my agent this summer. I would love it if we could work something out. I, I could see that happening. I could too, and for a couple of reasons. I think he is honest about wanting to be here. Not that it will be what, what happens, but I think that's true. Um, I think that his market has probably been hurt long-term. Like I do think he'll have interest as a, a trade deadline rental because of his experience. And you got to remember, he hasn't been playing, so he's been healing, but he's also been resting. And I think that makes him maybe more appealing to some teams, but I don't think they're going to be beating Ryan O'Reilly's door down to offer him a, a long deal. I think he probably knows that. So if he wants to come back on a on a reasonable deal, take that hometown discount, which I don't ever blame a guy for not taking, but 
if a guy wants it and he feels like I've made my money, I'd, I'd, I want to be in a place that loves hockey, that loves me, and I can see the Blues wanting to do that. And uh, I think Armstrong, sometimes when Army says he wants a guy back, you kind of go, okay, is he, is, he, is, he, is he saying that and not meaning it, or is he – I think Armstrong means it when he says that about O'Reilly. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me based off of kind of how his market has probably taken a hit this season. He knows that he hasn't played well, and he knows that he's not going to get paid probably what he wanted to make um, on his next contract, whether it's by the Blues or somewhere else. So if the if the difference is you know, a small amount of money or a year or two on the, on the contract difference, then why wouldn't you not move your family and – stay in a place where you can do car shield commercials and uh, make up whatever money you would have gotten somewhere else and not have to move. That's how I'd look at it, but uh, these guys don't always look at it the way I would. Ben, you grew up in Centralia, right? Did I get the Sedalia, t- Martin. Cent- Very what did I say? Centralia. Oh, my gosh. Edit that yeah, out, folks. come on. Sedalia. State Fair. Yes, I'm now. sorry. I, I was picturing uh, Central Missouri in my head, and I said the wrong word there. But were you a Next chief? Time you'll say Vandalia. Was it was that was that Chiefs country <laughs> through and through when you were growing up? Yeah, I think uh, I think Casey Wolf made an appearance at a uh, school assembly once in the uh, famed Zubaz pants. So we would, I mean, it, it was unique in where I grew up because it wasn't like there was it wasn't like you can't like the Chiefs and the Rams because they only played during the preseason, so you'd watch them both. Um, so during you know greatest show, we would. We would watch the Rams and was able to go to a game or two there, which was, you know, really defining moment for me growing up. But we were closer to the KC side, so yeah, like Marcus, I grew up watching like Marcus Allen uh, play for the Chiefs of all of all teams, and uh, you know Elvis Gerbach and 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 of course Tony Gonzalez dunking over the goalposts. So they were probably the first NFL team that I that I truly followed week to week. So what do you get in terms of readers or, or just the vibe even? I mentioned this on TV, and then I put it online. It was like I started a civil war, and it became about Kansas City's better because of this. St. Louis sucks, and <laughs> we hate you. And I, my whole point, and I, I almost feel like I need like a one hour to clarify all of it. It's occasionally a call or an email to the TV station saying you're not doing enough with the Chiefs. This is our team. Why aren't you covering our team? And it was after the AFC Championship game, and we had shown highlight. We put it first. It was the biggest story of the night. The game ended at 9. We were on at 9.40. Did, you know, five or six plays, which for us is a lot on a game that's not a St. Louis team. And we didn't have a reporter there, so there's no post-game report. And then we moved on and did a segment talking about the Blues. And when the email said, why aren't you doing more on the Chiefs and this great team and Mahomes? I'm like, yeah, Mahomes is great. And Andy Reid, I like Andy Reid. But the the idea was this, and they also said, Wasting time on the Blues, which is like beating a dead horse. Like, yeah, but they're the St. Louis team. And I've gotten this vibe every once in a while where people say, this is a Chiefs town. That's our state's team. And I was just pushing back on that premise. I don't care if people root for them. I don't have any dislike for the Chiefs. I don't care either way. And it just opened this whole wound to people who are like, well, Clark Hunt didn't vote for the relocation committee's recommendation. (laughs) And dot, dot, dot. It just went back and forth. Where do you fall on whether – and I think – there's a lot of Packer fans here. There's some Bears fans. Maybe yeah. a little bit of Titans, a little bit of Colts. Chiefs are certainly as popular now, I think, as they've ever been in St. Louis because the team's also really good, which sort of helps the argument. Yeah, I, I understand the. I understand both sides. It's going to sound like such a fence-sitting answer. Having covered the relocation process, um, I feel like I got like a firsthand, you know, up VIP tour through the Sausage Factory. 
it's hard for me to just forget what I saw about the NFL. So I totally understand the people who are out on the league. Um, I'm not as much connecting that with like being anti Kansas city chiefs. Um, I, I think it's interesting that some folks have decided that like Clark hunt is the reason that the, the chiefs is um, the chiefs like paved the way for the Rams to move to LA. Like, the Chiefs were not major players in that. Um, they That was Stan Kroenke. That was Jerry Jones. That was Roger Goodell. The Chiefs were like, oh, okay, great. I mean, put yourself in the Chiefs' shoes. They had no loyalty to the Rams. And they also were hearing, okay, if this team moves, we'll have greater you know, market share in our state. The Rams, if they heard the Chiefs were looking to go to L.A., the Rams would have said, sign us up for that because that makes things better for us. So, I have a hard time kind of blaming the Chiefs for it. A, I don't think they had that much sway in it. And B, it's kind of common sense that they wouldn't like lay down in front of that train because they weren't going to be able to stop it anyway. And they could, you know, potentially benefit. One thing the Chiefs didn't do was like rush into St. Louis and say, hey, come be a fan of our team. And, and I think that would have been received poorly had they done that from the jump. And I think they are benefiting clearly from St. Louis people who are saying, hey, let's root for this team or let's follow this team because we want to have a team. And I'm not going to knock people for doing that. I'm not going to force it down their throats, and I'm not going to tell them they have to because I do think the scar tissue from the Ram stuff is is very real. But for people who are open to having a team, how could you not kind of be gravitated toward the Chiefs? They have a an exciting team. They've got a likable quarterback, a, a likable head coach compared to watching the Rams last iterations here in St. Louis, it's like going from a, you know, a demolition derby car to a Ferrari. It's fun football to watch. And they seem to have some, some guys who are pretty easy to root for on their team. So I get it. And I've been really shocked by the amount of chiefs gear I've seen around town. Um, it was in an elevator for a doctor's appointment the other day. And <laughs> one of the nurses was wearing a chief stocking cap. You know, it's a, it's it actually it's it's absolutely happening. Um, I have learned to never ever underestimate the appeal of the NFL. But uh, I'm with you where I have wondered about like how to cover it. Um, do we should I be like applying to credentials and going to Chiefs games, or would would St. Louis fans hate me for for going over there and writing a column about it? Um, it it puts us in a tough spot because you don't want to ignore it if it's becoming a story, and you also are kind of at least trying to be a little protective of the people who really don't want to hear about it. And I, I can understand both sides, honest. Yeah. And I think there are, uh, there's layers of Chiefs fans, some who took them in 88, 89, 90, because there was no football team here. So they became fans yeah. of the Chiefs because there was an NFL void. And then I think there's the newer wave that, you know, the, the timing is kind of perfect. The Rams exit is now enough in the rearview mirror that if your kids are 10 or 12 and they kind of want a team and boy, the chiefs are good. So the timing's right. The team's good. But I do think there are three football fans in our town. And this was the argument I tried to make on TV. I said the first one that's out there, and I don't know what the percentage is, but just can't stand the NFL is mad that people like you and I even talk about it, cover it. They're dug in. And, and they're right. never going to forgive them. And I respect it. I like holding a good grudge. And I wish I could stay strong and be anti-NFL forever. I just can't do it in the world I live in. But I think that crowd exists for sure. I hear from them a lot saying, don't cover them at all. And then you have the diehard Chiefs fan who maybe has been a fan for years. Maybe it's from when the Big Red left. But then the third crowd, which is what I was sort of speaking to, that's saying, don't tell me the Chiefs are my team. 
I live in St. Louis. And I think that's what I was trying to clarify. Maybe I did a bad job. No, I, I hear you. I, I think that I think that there are kind of feuding factions. So my advice to them is to, to do whatever makes you happy and to try, try not to get disgruntled about what someone else chooses. Um, if you have a kid who's fallen head over heels for Pat Mahomes, like I don't think you should tell that kid he can't watch Chiefs. Um, I actually think Pat Mahomes, by all accounts, appears to be especially for the some of the guys who are in the NFL, a pretty good guy and probably a pretty good role model. So um, there are good people in the NFL. Unfortunately, just few of them um, are on the decision-making side side of it. But as someone who sat in those um, those wooden pews for the Rams relocation hearing, like I can tell you that there was not a lot of talk from anyone who was on the inside of what was going on about the Chiefs like leading the charge for right. The Rams out of St. Louis. So that argument, look, I'm as anti-NFL as anybody, but that argument, to me, it, it doesn't really hold much water. Now that said, as a guy from Sedalia, do you have a rooting? I'm a sleeper do you care, agent. Do, do, you, uh, <laughs> do you care who wins? Do you have a I, – I, I hear people saying, oh, people are making passionate arguments on each side. I'm like, I could see the Eagles winning for sure. I could see the Chiefs yeah, winning. Yeah, I could. I can't – I don't think I can bet against – I mean, we have a Super Bowl show on Fox in the morning, and I think Ricky Prohl and Marshall Falk, you know, smart football guys, both picked the Eagles. And, you know, again, they, they played in the league, but I just I have a hard time picking against Mahomes. Yeah, I think I someone asked me in my chat today, this week at stlt.com, and I said if, if Patrick Mahomes finishes the game, I think the Chiefs win. But the fact that, like, a high ankle sprain is – no joke. I know he's had a couple more weeks. Maybe he's perfectly fine. I, I didn't feel like the Bengals did a very good job of testing his injury. They let him run for the biggest play in the game. Um, you know, I haven't sat there and watched every NFL game this year, so I see this as a as a very you know distant observer these days. But the fact that the Eagles led the league in sacks um, and it had like a historic sack rate, I think they could make things more uncomfortable for Mahomes. So he's He's his mobility is such a key to what he does, and if he's up against a defense that makes that harder on him with a fully, you know, not healthy ankle, I think that could be a recipe for trouble for the Chiefs. So if he finishes it and he can stay in the game and they can keep him, you know, upright and uninjured, then I think he'll get the job done because he's he's one of the best to ever do it. But uh, if he gets knocked out or can't go or gets hurt halfway through, then I think it becomes a huge advantage for the Eagles. Uh, ben Fred Friday here on the Scoops Network. Martin Kilquin, Ben Fredrickson from the Post Dispatch, brought to you by Lou Fuse Automotive as well as the Ascension Charity Classic. Ben, great to catch up. Sounds good, Martin. Thanks. Good to talk to you.